Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. The sports world keeps spinning, and the local conversation continues. Now, Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. And a very good Wednesday evening to you, Jacksonville. It is Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, 92.5 FM with Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you. Glad you are with us as we are just about 72 hours away. From the AFC South Championship game, the Jaguars and the Titans. Saturday night, 8-15. Of course, you'll get the game right here on 1010XL. Pre-game coverage will begin around 3 o'clock on Saturday. I believe actually 3.30 on Saturday. And that'll go deep into the night, into Sunday morning, as we will do a special edition of the fifth quarter two hours after the Jaguars and the Titans go final. We got a ton to do tonight. It's going to be almost all Jaguar and Titan related. Coming up in about 20 minutes, Andrew Catalan, our guy, right, from CBS. He has called countless Jaguar games over the years. He's also called a fair amount of Titan games for CBS television. We'll have my friend Andrew Catalan on to talk Jaguars and Titans with us. That is about 20 minutes away. Coming up right about 9 o'clock, former Jaguar kicker Josh Scobie. Love having Josh on. Not only is he the greatest kicker that the Jaguars have ever had, or at least one of them. You know, I think you could argue Mike Hollis, Josh Scobie, but we'll say one of the greatest kickers in Jaguar history. He's also now a diehard Jaguar fan. He loves talking ball. And we'll have Josh Scobie on to talk Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, and Jaguars and Titans. And I do want to give you a couple perspectives from the other side, right? Some Tennessee thoughts coming in to this game. So my friend Brad Steele, who is the host of the Two-Tone Talk Titan podcast on YouTube and on Twitter, and I'll be honest with you, I came across Brad, oh, I guess a month and a half ago. And I've been watching his podcast. I like to get a perspective from other, um, you know, AFC South teams, teams the Jaguars interact with. But what really got me is the podcast that he had after the game in Nashville. And uh, he's a diehard Titan fan. He has a pretty big following with that podcast. And, man, he just lit into the Titans after they lost to Jacksonville. Uh, And, obviously, they have not won a game since. They have not won a game since mid-November So I want to talk to Brad, who hosts that podcast, about the Tennessee fan base, about their thoughts coming in to this game, and about Josh Dobbs and their expectations for him as a fan base coming in on Saturday night. So we'll talk a little Titans on the Titans-Jaguars matchup with Brad Steele of the Two-Tone Talk Titan podcast coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. But as we always do, to kick it off here on Hacker After Dark, We have a big deal of the night and Dylan Denmark. Let's do that right now. Time now for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal? What is the big deal? It is a big deal. On Hacker After Dark. All right, so there are so many angles to this game. We got into some of them last night. 
I'm saving some for tomorrow and for Friday, but certainly tonight I want to focus on two things. One is a positive Jaguar thought. One would be a negative Jaguar thought. We'll begin with the negative. What if the Jaguars lose on Saturday night? Has that crossed anybody's mind? Not in my friend group. Not on my uh, social media timelines. Everybody's asking me who we're going to play in the playoffs. Hacker, is it going to be the Chargers? Is it going to be the Ravens? <laughs> Josh Dobbs can't come in here and win. The Titans are banged up. They've lost six in a row. They're not going to come in here and win. I tend to agree with you. I don't think the Titans are going to win. I'm going to pick Jacksonville to win the game. But what if Tennessee comes in here and wins and ends Jacksonville's season at 8-9? and nine? The season is already an unbelievable success. Unbelievable success. What did you say in mid-August leading into the year? Get me to play competitive games in December and have Trevor Lawrence be the franchise guy. Okay. Those things have already been proven. They played competitive games in December. Now they're playing competitive playoff games in January. Done. Is Trevor Lawrence a franchise guy? You bet your bottom dollar he is. Done. The two biggest things I heard from you already have a check mark next to him. That in and of itself makes it a success. Did you have fun for the last four weeks? I sure did. Starting with the win in Nashville. Then coming home and beating Dallas. Then going to New York and beating the Jets. Then going to Houston and just decimating the Texans. Oh, it has been glorious. Go back to the Baltimore game, the two-point conversion with 14 seconds to go to win that one. It has been a glorious run for the better part of the last six weeks. But because the Jaguars lost so many one-score games, there is a possibility it could end on Saturday night. Look, one of three things is going to happen. I'm not going out on a limb here. There's either going to be a tie, right? But the Jaguars in 28 years of football have never had a tie. I would assume that probably is not going to happen. And then either the Jaguars are going to win or the Jaguars are going to lose. That's what's going to happen on Saturday night. One of those three things. And I get the excitement in the city. I'm excited. Everybody's excited and with good reason. There is a ton to be excited about. And if the team loses on Saturday, boy, that will sting. That will sting for a good couple of weeks. But what has been proven already this year? I'm not going to say it's built, but my goodness, there is a lot of foundation that's already there. Jacksonville is going to be good for a long time. A long time. A few players will change this offseason. 
The Jaguars will have to say goodbye to a few veterans. A few guys will leave in free agency. But an overwhelming majority of your core that has won five out of six will be back in 2023. And you're going to add a free agent class, you're going to add a rookie class, and you're going to add Calvin Ridley. The Jaguars are one year ahead of schedule. I expected this. I think a lot of people expected a potential playoff run in 2023. I don't believe many of you, even though you will probably say you did, I do not believe many of you, myself included, thought the playoffs were in the cards in 2022. So the Jaguars are a year ahead. And if they win Saturday night, That's that hot fudge on top of that vanilla ice cream, man. Vanilla ice cream's good. It's good. It'll satisfy you. The hot fudge makes it better. That's, to me, what this Jaguar season is. We've already gotten our vanilla ice cream. We've already enjoyed our vanilla ice cream, and it's been good. You win Saturday night, you get that hot fudge, you get that cherry. Makes it all the more special. All the more better. That's what a win Saturday night would do. A loss should not diminish anything. A loss will not take away what this fan base has enjoyed over the last six weeks. A loss will not take away the fact that you have a 23-year-old quarterback that is among the top 10 quarterbacks in pro football. And he's going to be around here for a long, long time. I hope we're not talking about a loss. I don't expect us to be talking about a loss. I think the Jaguars are going to win the game. They're the better team. They should win the game. But some of you are talking like it's a foregone conclusion, like the game has already been played. This is a Tennessee team that was beating Jacksonville 14-7 to and 14 to 13 that's probably a better example 14 to 13 with 30 seconds to go in the first half in Nashville the titans darn near took a halftime lead into that game in Nashville derrick henry had over 100 yards rushing in the first half in Nashville what was that 4 weeks ago 5 weeks ago and then the one thing that changed the complexion of that game was Shaq Quarterman Shaq Quarterman's hit completely and totally changed not only the complexion of that game, but probably the complexion of the Jaguar season moving forward. So, do I believe Jacksonville's going to win the game? Yeah, I do. Do I think it's going to be 38-10? to No, I don't. I do believe Tennessee is a proud football team. They're the defending AFC South champion. Mike Vrabel's a very good coach. He won coach of the year last year. He will have his guys ready. If Jacksonville does what they've done for the last six weeks, they'll win the game. If Jacksonville reverts back to turnovers and penalties, they're probably going to lose the game. But regardless of what happens Saturday night, the euphoria of the win or the devastation of the loss 
regardless of the outcome Saturday night, this season has already been an overwhelming success. We've all enjoyed our bowl of vanilla ice cream, and there is a lot more, a lot more things to enjoy moving forward because you have arguably the best coach in the NFL. Doug Peterson's in the conversation for that, no question. And you have a 23-year-old quarterback that is among the top 10 quarterbacks in the, in the game. You look at it from this angle as well. If Jacksonville wins the game on Saturday night, that would cap off an amazing comeback in this division. Tennessee was 7-3. and three. The Jaguars were 3-7. and seven. It would be an all-time collapse for the Titans. It would be an all-time division comeback for the Jaguars. Would this win on Saturday night take any of the sting away from January 23rd, 2000? From the AFC Championship game, 33-14. I told you guys this last night. I was 16 years old, sitting in section 432, row W, seats 20 and 21. That's where my season tickets were for 15 years. And watching... Steve McNair run down to the one-yard line. Watching Derek Mason return that safety punt for a touchdown. Watching Mark Brunell get sacked for that safety. Watching Reggie Barlow fumble that punt. Elvis Witted drop that football. You don't think that I've thought about that game for the last 23 years? And I've never rewatched it. I can't. That was back in the days of VCRs, Denmark. I'm not even sure if you know where those things are. I'm old enough to remember. That's back when you put in a tape and you had to hit the record button because there was no such thing as a DVR. And I remember taping that game on my VCR. Jaguars were up 14 to 10, man. Things were great. Reggie Barlow fumbled that punt right before the half. Game was never the same. Tennessee outscored Jacksonville 23-0. After that, went on to win the game 33-14. And I will tell you, we parked under the Matthews Bridge back in those days, and that was the longest walk that I have ever had leaving that stadium. Absolutely awful. Seeing Jeff Fisher and Steve McNair and Eddie George Frank Wycheck and Bruce Matthews, Blaine Bishop, all those guys celebrating on our field, beating Jacksonville for the third time that year. Good grief, that was awful. And you could say that game killed the first part of Jaguar football. The Jaguars did not recover from that game for five years. Six years, come to think of it, six years. The 05 season was the next time the Jaguars would make the postseason. But now it's payback time to an extent. And I'm curious, Jaguar fans, if you do beat Tennessee, 
and you cap off one of the best division comebacks the NFL has seen in a while. Teams that are four games out with seven to go do not win divisions. It's rare as hell. I mean, it's unbelievably rare. And if you pull it off, if you come back and you win the division, you take it from the Titans and beat them in week 18 to eliminate them in the process? Will that take any of the sting away from January 23rd, 2000? You want a feel-old statement on a uh, Wednesday night? I'll give you one. I was listening to Trevor Lawrence's press conference today. Your quarterback, your franchise quarterback, the top 10 quarterback that you have, quarterbacking the Jaguars, was three months old when Tennessee came in here and won that game in January of 2000. Three months old. Trevor Lawrence is 23 years old right now, and do you realize because this game Saturday is not officially a playoff game, if Jacksonville wins, Jacksonville earns the right to host a game in round one of the playoffs, only the second home playoff game since Tennessee beat you in January of 2000. That's amazing. Amazing. If you win your division, you get a home playoff game. Jacksonville's only won a division in 2017 since that loss in January of 2000. 641-1010, hit me up on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. If Jacksonville wins, does it take the sting away at all? Is it a little ointment? Is it a Band-Aid? However you would describe it from what happened 23 years ago. And I'll go back and say it again. I'm just hoping people do realize this. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's important to throw it out there. There is a chance Jacksonville loses on Saturday night. No one believes that. Everybody's picking Jacksonville, which, again, kind of plays into the Titans' hands, right? You know, for so long, Jacksonville could use the it's us against the world mentality. Our backs are against the wall. Nobody believes in us. Duval versus all y'all. Remember all that? What do you think they're saying in Nashville this week? What do you think Mike Vrabel saying to his team every chance he gets? No one. No one outside of Nashville, Tennessee, that I've seen at least, is picking the Titans to win this game. It's Nashville versus everybody this week because Jacksonville is the overwhelming favorite. Overwhelming favorite. How will the Jaguars, this young Jaguar team, I heard John Shipley earlier today at the press conference, our friend from Jaguar Report, we've said 38 out of the 53 guys on the roster have not played in an NFL playoff game. 38 out of 53. How will this young team go from being the underdog to the overwhelming favorite? There are so many subplots to this game, it's unbelievable. And we are now officially inside of 72 hours. Denmark, do you realize that in two days' time, 
Mike Vrabel, Derrick Henry, Josh Dobbs, and the Tennessee Titans, they're going to get on an airplane. Assuming, of course, the airlines have figured out their fiasco situation. I would imagine they probably have with the uh, whole Titans having their own plane deal. Yeah, flying private doesn't uh, deal with the... By the way, my in-laws left Jacksonville over a week ago. Still haven't got their luggage. Still haven't got their luggage. Won't tell you what airline they were on, but I bet you can imagine which airline they were on. Think about the uh, Pac-12 area. That's what airline they were on. But again, they're getting on an airplane. They're coming to play a football game. Jacksonville and Tennessee for the AFC South on Saturday night. You'll hear it right here on 1010XL, and I am pumped. I know you're pumped. The city is – how great is this, right? How long have we waited for this? Every, you know, every year save 2017, the last regular season game, we've wanted to lose for draft positioning. There was a mock draft released today on ESPN.com that in years past would have led off the show. Would have let off Hacker after dark. But guess what? Nobody cares right now about mock drafts. Because your team has won five out of six. Your team is in first place in the division. And your team is one home win away from one of the greatest division comebacks that the NFL has seen in quite some time. Andrew Catalan, CBS Sports. He's kind of our guy on the television side, right? Jaguar fans love themselves. Some Andrew Catalan. He, along with James Lofton, have called many Jaguar games. They've also called a fair amount of Titan games. Let's get Andrew Catalan on Hacker After Dark to talk Jaguars and Titans. He's next on a Wednesday here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It's Hacker After Dark and Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. Now, another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Titans, Saturday night, 8-15. Of course, you'll hear the game right here on 1010XL with the winner winning the AFC South and heading to the NFL postseason let's talk to a man that knows all about the Jaguars and the Titans he is Andrew Catalan of CBS Sports and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL Andrew how we doing Ryan happy new year good talking with you man Andrew always appreciate the conversation man and you were in Houston calling the Jaguar game this past week you called the first Jaguar Titan game a few weeks ago in your wildest dreams back around Halloween did you ever think week 18 in Jacksonville would be for the division title? No, no, not at all. I would say even at the beginning of, uh, you know, December, it was something that didn't really enter my mind. I mean, I was there in Jacksonville when they had that awesome win over Baltimore Thanksgiving weekend. And I was really encouraged about the Jaguars going forward into next year after I saw that win. But then when they beat Tennessee in December in that first meeting, then I really started thinking, all right, this this could happen with the way and the trajectory the Jaguars are on and the trajectory the Titans have been on. 
this actually could happen. And I'm really happy uh, for for Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence and all those Jaguars fans. I know they haven't made the playoffs yet, but just to get themselves into a game like this is really exciting for that fan base. And being around the team last week in Houston, I can tell it's just a different vibe and everyone's really fired up for this last game. You know, to that point, Andrew, the, the Texan game, look, obviously the Texans have only won two games. They're likely to have the number one pick in the draft. It's not – I'm not going to go overboard, but that was a Texan team that went into Nashville – and beat Tennessee. That was a Texan team that took Kansas City to overtime. That was a Texan team that darn near beat Dallas and Dallas. All of those games within the last four or five weeks, they were feeling pretty good about themselves. And my gracious, Jacksonville goes in there on Sunday and just wipes the floor with them. I, I thought it was a great performance by the Jaguars. I agree. I mean, the Texans really have been playing well the last few weeks. And they had a lot to play for as well. Who knows about Lovey Smith going forward? Davis Mills was trying to convince the team that they don't have to take a quarterback in the draft. I mean, there was a lot of things that they were trying to play for. They hadn't won at home all year long. Uh, but it was interesting. The night before the game, Trevor Lawrence told us, I want to get off to a fast start. Now you hear a lot of cliches. Don't turn the ball over. We got to run the ball starting to hear that one a little bit more we got to get off to a fast start but hadn't heard the Jaguars really say that this year in the times I did it and, and boy did they ever get off to a fast start I mean really just didn't look back from kickoff and I thought that that really set the tone for the whole day allowing Doug Peterson to you know take some of his starters out towards the end of the game but they got in a really good rhythm early and didn't look back and I think that Doug Peterson accomplished everything that he wanted to in that game keep the momentum going, keep everybody healthy, and really have a lot of confidence entering this final game on Saturday. Andrew Catalan, CBS Sports, here with us on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Andrew, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence. It's kind of funny. I do the postgame show on, on 1010XL here on Sundays. and We had callers call in and say, yeah, Trevor wasn't, wasn't as sharp today. And I said, well, wait a minute. He was 17 of 21. <laughs> now, I know he had the interception, but – if you're complaining about 17 of 21, it goes to show you the bar that Trevor is setting for himself on a weekly basis. No doubt. I mean, he is so impressive, and I've said this before, but I just love the marriage between Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. In fact, in our meeting on Saturday night with Trevor, I read him this stat. I This was going into last week. I said, your passer rating is 24 points higher than last year which is the largest increase of any QB from year one to year two in NFL history. You pass number number two on that list now, Carson Wentz, who was with Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. And I think that gives you a great window into just what Peterson's been able to do with these guys. And, you know, Trevor was uh, kind of surprised by that stat, but then in the same breath, he wasn't because that's what he feels about Doug and, and the way that, as he told us, Peterson will build a game plan around what Trevor does well and has instilled that confidence in him after what was such a disappointing rookie year on so many levels. So, you know, it says a lot about Trevor uh, that he's playing like the quarterback that I think a lot of people expected when he was drafted number one overall. But I think that it, it's a big difference with this coaching staff behind him, too, and they get a, a big part of the success as well. And, and the coaching staff, and you can obviously speak to this more than a lot of your peers in the broadcast industry because you've called Jaguar games with Larky and Gus Bradley and obviously Doug Marone and the fiasco last year with Urban. And this sounds very juvenile, Andrew, but I think you'll, you'll get my point. 
I can't tell you how refreshing it is to watch a Jaguar game where guys are actually open down the field or they make a catch and they turn it upfield and get extra yardage or there are actually running lanes for the running backs because that just hasn't happened here in the better part of 10 to 15 years, yet it's happening every week now with Doug Peterson. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Ryan. And, you know, I met with uh, Peterson uh, before that Las Vegas game. And that's when they were two and six and they had just come off the loss in London. And, you know, I think some of the questions in our meeting was, well, what are you going to change? You you know, what's going to change now the rest of the way? And he just looked at us all and said that he learned from Andy Reid that you don't change for change sake. You stay consistent. And we met with Josh Allen again on this past Saturday now that they've won all these games. And he said, without even asking about that quote, he just said, Doug has stayed true to his message from training camp until now. I really was impressed by that. I mean, here's a guy, Doug Peterson. We know he's a great offensive mind. And for all the things that you just talked about, guys getting open, having room to run. But when you're in in charge of a team, especially a team like this that is coming off a couple of bad years, he stayed true to his message from day one. And I think that they're really – reaping the rewards of that right now the fact that Doug didn't change who he was and now they have the confidence to go out there and win every game they're in a couple of more for Andrew Catalan of cbssports.com and you talk about the talent around Trevor uh Christian Kirk got over a thousand yards this past week in Houston Travis Etienne now an 1100 yard running back Evan Ingram and Zay Jones both having career years and Marvin Jones even at the age of 32 still looking pretty good out there. So the question all offseason, Andrew, was with, did they surround Trevor with enough talent? I think the answer to that question is clear at this point, and that's a resounding yes. Yeah, no doubt. And you know what, uh, Ryan? We also have to give credit to this offensive line. I mean, I think that they, they've done a really good job this year of protecting Trevor. I know he gets the ball out quick, and it's, it's harder to get sacks when he's getting rid of it so quick. But he's got guys to throw it to, but – you know, Luke Fortner, I mean, he has just anchored that center position. Brandon Sheriff, knock on wood, he's finally been able to stay healthy. Hasn't played a full season since 2016. Tyler Shatley stepping in and really just solidifying that left guard spot for Ben Barch. And we know about Cam Robinson and now Walker Little. And Jawan Taylor, I think, has made himself a lot of money in a contract year. So, yes, the pieces around him, led by Christian Kirk and that big contract. And now Evan Ingram is probably in line for a big contract, but I think you got to tip your cap to the guys up front too. I, they don't get a lot of attention, but I think they deserve it in a year like this. All right, Andrew, you've done a lot of Jaguar games. You've also done a lot of Titan games and I've, I've got some nervous trepidation. I mean, I think, look on paper, it's clear who the better football team is. It's clear. The Jaguars are much healthier than Tennessee. And maybe it's the voodoo of that logo and how bad Tennessee has hurt Jacksonville in the past. But you know as well as anybody, Vrabel is going to have those guys ready to go. Derrick Henry's rested. I'm just telling Jaguar fans, I think they're going to win. But pump the brakes a little bit because Tennessee is the champion of this division until they are not, and Jacksonville is going to have to play an A game on Saturday night. I agree. I mean, look, everything is going against the Titans right now couldn't really gauge too much from that Dallas game. I mean, they sat out Autry and Simmons and Fulton. It would be interesting to see how many of these guys they get back. I mean, Simmons and Autry, I'm, I'm for sure, I would think. Fulton, he's a question mark. But you're right. They're, they're all banged up. 
nothing's been going their way, but they still have Mike Vrabel, who I think very highly of, and I, I agree with you. He's going to get these guys ready to go. Derrick Henry always has big games against division opponents. We know that. We've seen it before. You know, can Josh Dobbs not turn the ball over and make some plays? I mean, I think that that's part of the question mark here on Saturday night. I agree the Jaguars should win the game, but I would never, ever count out a Mike Rabel team in a, in a one-and-done game. You know those guys are going to give it all they've got. And, and, you know, they can save their season in a way. It's been a brutal year for Tennessee. They fired their general manager. Tannehill's hurt. They, they've used almost 90 guys again. But a lot of people will forget all that if they still figure out a way to win the division. I'm sure Vrabel's telling them that. And I think it's going to be a good competitive game. I, I think that that home field advantage for those Jaguars fans could could prove to be a big part of this one. And on Saturday night, a game I'm looking forward to watching on TV. Final moments here with Andrew Catalan of CBS Sports. Andrew, he won't win it because, look, there are there are better candidates. But if Doug Peterson does indeed lead this team to a division title, his name's got to be on the ballot, right, for Coach of the Year with what he's done here since that 3-7 and seven start. Yeah, I mean, the coach of the year race this year, Ryan, is, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, you can make a case for 10 different guys, including Doug Peterson. To your point, I don't know if he'll get it because of some of the other strong candidates out there, but that takes nothing away from the job that he's done, and he's certainly worthy of consideration. But I think of all years, this is one of the tougher ones to predict how it'll shake out, and he might come up just short, but I don't I don't think he'd mind that if he's winning the division title. He'll, he'll take that trade off. Now, you are going to be out in the AFC West this week, the Chargers and the Broncos alongside James Lofton. And it's interesting because if Jacksonville wins and if the Chargers win, that is wild card weekend, the four versus the five, a rematch from week three. And, Andrew, how much fun would that be? Trevor Lawrence against Justin Herbert in round number one. Yeah, I think that'd be great. I, I You know, you look back at that week three game and it wasn't even close. I mean, the Jaguars just rolled them. I, you know, this is a different Chargers team now. Uh, they've won four in a row. They're a lot healthier than they've been. They've got Keenan Allen. They've got Mike Williams. I don't want to talk. I don't want to jinx anything uh, for the Jaguars fans down there. But I, I do think that would be a, a really uh, a fun matchup if that's what we end up with on wildcard weekend. Look, with all due respect to Buck and Aikman, there are a lot of people down here that wish Catalan and Lofton <laughs> were on the call Saturday night. We understand networks and how those work, but we certainly appreciate the time and uh, best of luck uh, with your call this week. Say hello to James Lofton for us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, Andrew. All right, Ryan, anytime. Good luck. Have fun. Always appreciate Andrew Catalan of CBS Sports joining us here on Hacker After Dark. And again, the Jaguars and the Titans Saturday at 8.15, the winner wins the division. Former Jaguar Josh Scobie will be joining me in about 20 minutes or so. We got a little bit of a breaking news this evening. This just in on Hacker After Dark. All right. Uh, disappointment, I guess, but it's not unexpected. The Pro Football Hall of Fame announced the 15 finalists for enshrinement for the class of 2023. And unfortunately, Fred Taylor's name was not on the list. The Hall of Fame finalist in no particular order. I guess I'll go alphabetical, right? Yeah. All right. So Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, Rondé Barber, Dwight Freeney, Devin Hester, Torrey Holt, 
Andre Johnson, Albert Lewis, Darrell Revis, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, Demarcus Ware, Reggie Wayne, Patrick Willis, and Darren Woodson are your 15 finalists for the Hall of Fame. Fred Taylor, again, got to the 25, did not get to the 15, which I'm a little surprised by because if you look at the offensive skill positions this year, there aren't many guys. You got a defensive end, an offensive tackle, a corner, a defensive end, a return specialist, wide receiver Torrey Holt, wide receiver Andre Johnson, that's two, cornerback, corner, tackle, linebacker, DN, wide receiver Reggie Wayne. So you have no quarterbacks, you have no tight ends, you have no running backs, you got three wide receivers, Reggie Wayne, Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson. All the guys on this list are spectacular football players. Spectacular. And you're going to have to replace guys to get Fred Taylor on there. But good grief, man. What else do you want Fred Taylor to do? Fred Taylor's been retired for 12 years. He still is number 17 all time in rushing yardage in the NFL. 11,695 yards. You look at guys above him, the 16 guys above him, every one of them across the board that's eligible for the Pro Football Hall of Fame is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There are quite a few guys below him that are also in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Guys like O.J. Simpson, you know, John Riggins, some of the best of the best. If Fred Taylor played in a market bigger than Jacksonville, he'd probably be in. That's the reality of the situation. Is Thurman Thomas a better running back than Fred Taylor? I don't know. But Thurman Thomas played with Jim Kelly and Andre Reed and Bruce Smith and Cornelius Bennett and was on those four Buffalo Bills Super Bowl teams. You know, Edgerin James, was he better than Fred Taylor? Statistically, he had 700 more rushing yards. He also had Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne and Dallas Clark and Marvin Harrison on his team. It's unfortunate, and I thought Baselli getting in might break the wall a little bit. And I still believe one day Fred Taylor will be in Canton, Ohio. But the problem is he's got to get to the 15. He's got to get in the room to be discussed by the voters. Getting to the 75 is wonderful. Getting to the 25 is great. But now the last couple of years, when they've cut that 25 down to 15, they cut Fred Taylor. And it's happened now numerous years. You've got to get in the room. You've got to get to the 15. Fred Taylor absolutely deserves to be in the 15 finalist conversation. All right, again, these guys are absolutely terrific football players. And I'm not trying to slight anybody. 
but Fred Taylor or Darren Woodson, who is a better football player? Fred Taylor, Patrick Willis, who is a better football player? Patrick Willis was a great player. He didn't do it very long. How long did Patrick Willis play? Six, seven years? Didn't he retire at like 29? You know, there are guys on here that I would take over Fred Taylor. I'm not going to be naive. Darrell Rivas is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Joe Thomas is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, Dwight Freeney, good players, great players. Fred Taylor's in the conversation with guys like that. But he keeps getting passed over from the 25 list to the 15 list. That's the problem. And that's what needs to be corrected. We all want Fred to be on that stage in Canton one day. And again, I believe he will be. But, but, it is vital that in the next couple of years, he gets into the room. And to get into the room, you need to be one of the 15 finalists. Once Baselli got into the room, the conversation really picked up. It took a while for Baselli to get into the room. But once he was one of those 15 finalists, then the conversation around Tony spiked every year until he ultimately got in. That's the goal now for Fred Taylor, to get into the room. And quite frankly, I think he should be in the room tonight. And it's unfortunate that he's not. We'll wait another year. We'll see maybe in 2023, 2024, I guess, if January of 24, if Fred Taylor gets into the 15 finalists, gets into that room to be discussed by the voters. 641-1010 is the phone number. If you want to get involved, Jacksonville, you are more than welcome to do so. More on the Jaguars and the Titans. And let's look ahead to week 18 in the NFL, the playoff picture in the AFC, in the NFC. A lot of things still to be decided. And thankfully, thankfully, not out of the woods yet, but thankfully, it appears DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills is doing better. Certainly doing better now than he was 24, 36, 48 hours ago. So now that he's doing a little better, I think if things continue to progress in a positive direction, of course, the conversation has at least started. What do you do about the Bengals-Bills game? The game that was suspended midway through the first quarter. The game that for what we do, and that's talk about football, is a really big game in the AFC playoff picture. What does the NFL do? Let's talk about it next. Hacker after dark on a Wednesday night, Jacksonville. We're glad you're with us. It's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. On the doorstep of the 9 o'clock hour, almost one hour down, one hour to go here on Hacker After Dark. As always, we are streaming for your viewing pleasure. If you want to watch the show while you're in the comfort of your own home at this hour, we certainly understand that. You can go to YouTube, just type in 1010XL. You'll see Hacker After Dark there every night until 10 o'clock. Likewise, on Twitter, at 1010XL on Twitter, you'll see the show there, streaming until 10 o'clock. 
this evening. All right, so the Jaguars and the Titans, that's where our sole focus has been and will continue to be. Former Jaguar kicker Josh Scobie is coming up here on Hacker After Dark in the next 15 minutes. The AFC playoff picture. The way it looks right now, with the understanding, and this is what I'm going to go off of right now, that the Buffalo-Cincinnati game, the one that was postponed on Monday due to the situation with Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin, I'm going to go on the assumption that game will not be made up. It will be made a no contest. Um, That's at least the rumor that's out there right now. Could that change? Yes. But for our purposes, that's what I'm going on. So if that's the case, here's the way the playoff picture looks right now. Kansas City's your one seed. They get the bye. If Buffalo wins on Sunday as they take on, who do they play? Miami plays the Jets. So that would mean, yeah. So, okay. So Miami and the Jets play. That's actually a really big game for the Dolphins. So Miami and the Jets play. So if Buffalo beats New England, Buffalo's the two seed. What's interesting about that is New England needs that game to get in the playoffs. That is an enormous game between New England and Buffalo. But as it stands right now, Kansas City, you're one. Buffalo, you're two. Cincinnati, you're three. Jacksonville with a win would be your four. If the Los Angeles Chargers beat the Denver Broncos, which I would have to assume is a pretty safe bet, The Chargers are your five, meaning if Jacksonville wins and the Chargers win, next week in round one of the playoffs, it'll be Justin Herbert against Trevor Lawrence. Whoo! Man alive. Chargers-Jaguars, round one of the playoffs. If, 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 if Jacksonville wins and the Chargers win. Baltimore in that scenario would be the six. The final wild card spots coming down to New England, Miami, and Pittsburgh. Everybody else has been eliminated. I'll make this as simple as I can. If New England wins, they're in. Miami needs to beat the Jets and have New England lose to Buffalo. And finally, Pittsburgh needs the most help. Pittsburgh needs to win and have both the Patriots and the Dolphins lose. So, if they do not make that game up and Kansas City beats the Raiders on Saturday, Kansas City is your one and the AFC playoffs will go through Arrowhead. Buffalo would then get the last wild card team, either New England, Miami, or Pittsburgh. Baltimore would head to Cincinnati, more than likely. And the Chargers, with a win, would head to either Jacksonville or Nashville. In the NFC... It's much more complicated, so I won't spend a lot of time on all the various scenarios. I'll just tell you what it would be if it started tonight. Philadelphia is your one. San Francisco is your two. Minnesota is your three. Tampa Bay, the four. Dallas, the five. The Giants, the six. The Seahawks are the seven. Seahawks have the easiest, or one of the easiest paths. I guess Green Bay has got the easiest path to get in. All Green Bay needs to do is win. Seattle needs Green Bay to lose, and Seattle needs to win. Detroit needs 
to win and have Seattle lose. So it gets complicated down there towards the bottom. One of the big stories in the NFC this week, Philadelphia still has not clinched home field. Philadelphia needs to win in their home field advantage. They go, they will not have to leave the city of brotherly love. And an interesting twist, if Philly loses and Dallas wins on Sunday, Philly would fall from the one all the way down to the five. So there is a lot to figure out in the NFC. Week 18 is going to be nuts. Hopefully the Jaguars take care of business on Saturday night. No, they have a ticket punched. And we can sit back with our feet up and just watch all the action on Sunday. A guy that has played many big games down at that stadium is Josh Scobie. He's now a diehard Jaguar fan. That's why I love having Josh Scobie on. Not only was he a great player here in Jacksonville, he's now a passionate fan of this organization. Let's talk Jaguars, Titans, Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, and more with former Jaguar kicker Josh Scobie. He's next. Hacker After Dark on a Wednesday here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Titans for the AFC South Championship on Saturday night. One of the biggest home playoff football games. Really, it is a playoff game. One of the biggest home games we've had here in Jacksonville in a long, long time. Let's talk to a man that's played a lot of games in that stadium downtown. That is Josh Scobie, one of the best kickers to ever wear a Jaguar uniform, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Josh, how we doing, man? Doing great, Hacker. How are you, man? Josh, we're good, buddy. Thank you for the time. And look, we got a lot to get into with the Jaguars and the Titans. No question about that. But I have to ask you, we uh, just got some awful news over the weekend. A former teammate of yours, Uche Wanare, offensive lineman here in Jacksonville, uh, apparently just passed out and, and lost his life up in West Lafayette, Indiana. Of course, he was a Purdue alum. Um, blew me away, Josh. I had had Uche on a couple of weeks ago talking Jaguars, I'm sure, as a former teammate, though. Man, uh, your reaction when you heard that news. Yeah, that was uh, that was very shocking to find out about Uche because we were teammates for quite a few years with the Jags, and uh, he was one of the guys that, you know, as an offensive lineman that I got to talk to quite a bit. And um, I always appreciated him because, number one, he was really good with uh, specialists. And not not all teammates are always good with specialists, but he always treated me with respect and and kindness. And I mean, he was just a, the type of dude that he he was extremely intelligent. Uh, I mean, everything he said sounded like he had a lot of information behind it before he said it. And uh, I mean, he was a great player for the Jags. And I mean, he's he's going to be missed. And it's I mean, especially in a, a the same day where that you know happens last night with uh demar hamlin so it just it, it's it's a sad time for the nfl right now and uh you know i'm hoping hope hoping that it comes out good news and that you know he didn't uche didn't pass um uh, with anything lingering and it was just something that not needed to be done, but it was just his time. And we can only, you know, 
wish him well, wish his his family prayers and, and thoughts for them because it's that's a tough time. One thing I always loved about Uche, and I told him this every time I had him on, you were never going to get anything sugarcoated. He was going to tell you what he thought. Whether you liked it or not, he was going to say it. And as a sports radio host, I always appreciated that about him. If you didn't want to hear his opinion, you better not ask him the question because he was very, very truthful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's what you appreciate about someone like that. He it, it definitely didn't sugarcoat anything he said, and he, he was opinionated, and his opinions came with research and not just uh, – things that he had heard so he's uh he's gonna be missed that's for sure uh, prayers up to uche winari's family again dead at the age of 38 there's really not a good way to transition from that but we uh talk sports here on 1010xl it's what we do it's what we love doing again josh scoby former jaguar kicker here with us as we get ready for the afc south championship game josh and as we press on what an atmosphere we all expect Saturday night between the Jaguars and the Titans. The winner not only wins the division, but gets a home playoff game. And Josh, for the Jaguars to be in this position after being 3-7, and seven, what, six weeks ago, it's just an amazing, amazing turnaround. Yeah, it's been absolutely fun to watch. And, I mean, this city and this fan base right now has been needing that to happen. And they're getting hot right at the right time. And there's not too many teams right now that would want to play the Jaguars and especially the Titans because they're kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum uh, for the first time in a while. And we're catching them right at the right time. And uh, I, I mean, I, I love our chances Saturday. I think the atmosphere is going to be amazing because like I said, the city has been waiting for it and the fan base has been just waiting for something huge like this. And, I mean, like you said earlier, I mean, this is a playoff game. I mean, this is the start of our playoffs. And it's win or go home or win and you get to host a playoff game. And uh, I'm, I'm so excited for Saturday. And I, I'm, it feels like I'm back playing because, you know, I'm anticipating that game and can't wait for it to be here. Josh, with all due respect, uh, what, Mike Malarkey, Gus Bradley – Doug Marone's a little different because he got the Jaguars to the AFC title game. So, I mean, there's obviously some credibility there. And then the guy they had last year, which I won't mention, um, Doug Peterson is unbelievable as a head coach. His play calling, his his game plans with all these games, how they use their offensive playmakers, it's unbelievable that it's taken this long to find a guy that's this good. But finally, the Jaguars – have what I think is one of the best head coaches in the NFL. Yes, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, I mean, Doug obviously won the Super Bowl with Philadelphia, and, I mean, he probably should still be the head coach there, uh, but apparently disagreements with management, and you're on your way out. But uh, I'm, I'm pumped that he got hired here because I've known him for a long time and just known that he's, number one, a great man, a great leader, and I love watching every video uh, pre-game, post-game, whatever it is with Doug speaking because he talks to the players like they're actual human beings and not just employees and not just means to an end for him. And you can tell that he, Doug really does want to be here uh, for the long haul because of the way he speaks because you can hear other coaches uh, whenever they just use their regular coach speak and he doesn't speak like that. And I, I love the way he handles the players and – uh, just little things about him in terms of 
talking to players and talking to coaches that are with the organization now. Um, I mean, he gives them random time off, a day off here and there, um, days that you wouldn't expect to get. And surprisingly, that does go a long way with players because we're expected to be, you know, at our best 100% of the time. So to be able to get random time off, uh, it is. It really does go a long way with the players. Former Jaguar kicker Josh Scobie here with us on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Josh, Doug Peterson's one of the big stories. The other big story is Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the guy, 24 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He's going to throw for 4,000 yards. He is arguably one of the top, certainly top 10, uh, 10, you could argue even top five quarterbacks in the NFL right now. It's funny. People thought, oh, yeah, Trevor struggled on Sunday in Houston. The guy was 17 of 21. That's the <laughs> bar he has put. He, uh, he has a missed throw or two, and you think he struggles. He completed 80% of his passes on the road in a 31-3 victory. Uh, just your thoughts on Trevor's performances here, particularly since Halloween. It's been very impressive. And, you know, I took some heat uh, back, I, I, get, I think it was after the Detroit game, where he struggled and had some red zone turnovers or maybe one, uh, but just, you know, struggled. And since then, I mean, he has been nothing short of spectacular and it just goes to show you what type of leader and what type of player he is, because there's a lot of pressure at that number one draft pick for you to come in and be the man. And it's not always easy that uh, it's not always that easy to do that, but we're talking about the type of player that has been, the best player at his position at any given point in the country from, you know, high school all the way to the NFL and to have that type of pressure and to live up to it says a lot about him. And he's another guy that, you know, I love to hear speak. And a lot of people, you know, look down on the fact that he doesn't give too many reactions uh, it, after a negative play. But I think that uh, is actually something that, that makes him more of a leader and, uh, be able to get over uh, any type of thing that goes wrong during the game. So I'm excited the way he's playing and he's peaking and the team is peaking. And that's what you need uh, for, for your big position players and especially the quarterback to come on this uh, this time in the season. A couple of more for former Jaguar kicker Josh Scobie. All right, Josh, let's focus on Saturday night. First thing, let me ask you about the Saturday night thing. Now, these are the fans and some of my colleagues in the media are making a big deal saying the NFL gave Jacksonville the business, making them play Sunday in Houston and then Saturday night because Tennessee obviously played on Thursday. We'll have three days extra rest. Is that a talking point for guys like us, or do you think that'll have a factor on Saturday? It'll only have a factor on Saturday if Doug talks to the players and makes that an issue. But I 100% guarantee he's turning that around and telling them, listen, we get, you know, three days less rest than the Titans, but guess what? They're on a losing streak and we are hot right now. So let's keep the fire going. Uh, so, no, I don't think that'll have any play at what whatsoever I think it's more of an advantage to us I mean you played in some big games you had a game-winning kick in the playoffs in Pittsburgh so you know about pressure situations a lot of the Jaguars are young Josh they haven't played in playoff games I mean if you start really thinking about the roster there's just not a lot of guys that have been in do or die situations in the National Football League whereas Tennessee 
has a lot of playoff experience going back last year. They lost to Cincinnati, but they were the number one seed. Uh, does that matter at all? Or again, is that just a talking point for the media? That's just a talking point. I mean, these guys are young, like you said, uh, but you know, most of them have still played in big games, whether it is the NFL with a different team or in college at a big program that they played at. But uh, no, I think these guys, number one, they don't have any scar tissue. And sometimes if you're a veteran player who's been to the playoffs a lot and not had success, that has some scar tissue with you. And none of these guys do, or for the most part, none of them do. And uh, I think that is also a huge advantage for us. And, you know, our history with Tennessee and the playoffs um, and, you know, as of late has not been very good, but they, none of these guys know about that. Uh, if they just join the team this year, all they know is, is we beat the crap out of Tennessee at Tennessee earlier in the year. And this is a huge game. And I, I mean, I guarantee they're all riding high right now. Final moments here with Josh Scobie. Josh, there is no doubt some odd things have happened over the last, say, six weeks. I mean, Baltimore, there was a third and 20 and a fourth and five, and you had to convert that. And then uh, you, you go, you get the touchdown, you go for two in the win, and then you survive Justin Tucker coming up just short from 67 yards. Dallas, you're down 27-10. You come all the way back only to have Trevor fumble the ball. You think the game's over. You get it back, and, and Riley Patterson drills a 48-yarder to send it to overtime, and then you get the pick six. You go into Nashville for the first time in nine years and win a game. I mean, just some odd stuff has happened. And with that as a backdrop, do players buy into that, whether you call it a team of destiny, a belief that no matter what happens, they're going to find a way to win? Is there anything to that? Uh, it's just about confidence. And if you have confidence, then you're going to play better than you probably would if you didn't. And this is the exact opposite for the Titans. I mean, they're struggling right now, so their confidence is not exactly riding high. And confidence is an amazing thing. And if you can ride that wave as long as possible, I mean, that's how, you know, teams get into the playoffs and make a, a big run because – you have nothing but positive energy in your locker room and nothing but confidence individually. All right, Josh, final question. As you can imagine, the fans, the media like here, we're jonesing for Saturday night. We cannot wait to get there, but it's still a couple of days away. As a former player, a guy that played a lot of games in this league, how do you, how do you pace yourself? If you're giving advice to the Jaguar young guys to not get too hyped too quick this week, how do you – Go about, I mean, it's easy to say business as usual, right? But these guys are human. How would you advise them to handle the next two or three days? Well, once again, I think that comes from the top uh, with Doug and how he's going to be talking to these guys. And it's going to be going through your normal routine. Don't, don't pretend like this isn't happening. Don't pretend like it's not a big deal. But at the same time, go through your normal routine. And today is... Tuesday so they're probably practicing today you know getting their treatment resting up from Sunday and being prepared to start all, all over tomorrow with on the field practices and just doing your normal routine and controlling what you can control and not worrying about the outcome on Sunday. Josh Scobie not only a former Jaguar but certainly a diehard Jaguar fan do they get the win on Saturday night does this team make the playoffs? 
I'm going to say no, because I've been wrong about every single game. So <laughs> reverse psychology <laughs> but, there. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. So, uh, I'm just going to say, no, they do not win. And, uh, I'll let you take it from there. Well, there you go. Hopefully you are wrong, like apparently you've been, I guess, the last <laughs> couple correct. of weeks. Hey, Josh, always correct. appreciate the time, man. Know you're busy. Really thank you for it. And uh, we'll see you out there Saturday at the stadium, my friend. All right. Thanks a lot. Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. Thank you to former Jaguar kicker Josh Scobie for joining us tonight here on Hacker After Dark. You know, we've talked all Jaguars, obviously. We are based in Jacksonville. But I do want to get the Titans side of things as well. We'll go to Nashville a couple of times leading up to kickoff on Saturday. We'll start tonight. Brad Steele, my friend who hosts the Two-Tone Talk Titan podcast. You can check that out. YouTube, Twitter. The guy's just a diehard Titan fan. He has his own podcast where he interacts with Titan fans. And I was curious when I was watching his podcast on Twitter, watching his podcast on YouTube, I thought, huh, it might be interesting to get a perspective from a diehard, passionate Titan fan about this game on Saturday. And we'll talk to media guys. We'll talk to former players. But, you know, we always talk about the fans, right? The diehard Jaguar fans, the Bold City Brigade you know, the Teal Street Hooligans, everybody involved here. Well, the Titans have some of that on their own. And Brad's obviously a big part of the Titan fan base. So I want to get his perspective on how Tennessee and their fan base is approaching this game on Saturday night down here in Jacksonville. So we will do that in just a moment. Gator basketball is in a uh, nail-biter, down three, three minutes to go. Denmark, they're terrible, right? Florida basketball, they're yes, just no, not very good right now. No bueno. Seven and six. If they lose, they'll fall to seven and seven. Ugh. And Mike White comes in on Saturday. How about that for a doubleheader? You got the Jaguars and the Titans. If you're a Gator Hoops fan, Mike White and the Dogs go down to Gainesville on Saturday. It'd be nice for Florida to finally win one of these games. They're still in this game with A&M. Again, down three, about two minutes to go. We'll keep you updated. Coming up next, let's talk Jaguars, Titans from the Tennessee side of things. The two-tone talk Titan podcast. The host of that is Brad Steele, and he's next. Hacker After Dark on a Wednesday in Jacksonville. As always, we're glad you're with us. Back here on 1010XL at 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Titans, Saturday night, 8-15. Of course, you'll hear the game right here on 1010XL. The winner is the AFC South division champion. Let's go talk to a man that I discovered after the first Jaguar-Titan game a couple of weeks ago. He hosts the Two-Tone Talk Titan podcast. You find it on YouTube and Twitter. His name is Brad Steele, and he's kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Brad, how we doing, man? Doing well, man. I appreciate you having me on. Brad, thank you for the time, and I'll be honest, man. I told you this when uh, you and I talked. I kind of uh, sabotaged the comments in one of your uh, podcasts there, but I got <laughs> such a kick. You, I discovered you on a Jaguar fan page about four weeks ago after the Jaguars went to Nashville and, quite frankly, put it on your Tennessee Titans, 
and you yeah. were sitting in your car, and man, you just went off for like 15 yeah. minutes on yeah. Todd Downing, the Titans' offensive coordinator, the play calling, the the lack of energy. You were fired up, and it got a lot of Jaguar fans here laughing a little bit, but clearly as a Titan fan, six losses in a row, it looks like it's wearing on you guys a little bit. Yeah, man, especially, you know, I, I talk about this nearly every week on the show, but, you know, to consider that the Titans were 7-3, and three, at one at one point and if you remember they had a thursday night game against the packers um and they looked really good in that game and uh they were seven and three and had such a comfortable lead in the afc south that it was like you know we're setting pretty you know we're we're in a pretty good spot and uh pretty much the the snowball started rolling downhill after that, it's a very unusual situation to have been in a place where you felt like it was just a done deal to, and credit to the Jags too, for coming along the way they have. I mean, were, were they, uh, they were two and six at one point. Yeah. Two and six season. and then three and seven. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're kind of feeling like at that point, it's like, okay, so the Jags aren't quite there yet. You know, they're, they're probably another year or two away. The Colts are laughably bad after being so hyped up. In the in the off season, so it's it's like okay, we're we're good, and then to to see you know just the disaster that has followed is uh, so I feel like you've had two seasons in one here. You know, it's all about perspective, and one of the things I thought was interesting about your podcast, and I told you, man, I think you do a good job with that, even though it's a Titans podcast. I can appreciate a good podcast host. Um, you know, the six <laughs> losses in a row. Well, I mean, Brad, welcome to our world. We've been awful here in Jacksonville 14 out of 15 years. And, and right. to see the reaction in Nashville about six losses in a row, and I saw that some people on your podcast were like, well, maybe we don't even want to win Saturday night so we can get a better draft pick. That's crazy yeah. to me that some fans up there do not want to win the AFC South. It's, dude, I don't even give me, I, I know we got to keep this, time limited so i don't want to get too far into it because well, i could go for an hour about this but i have a twitter account for two-tone talk and that's kind of where i air my grievances about all things titans and all things football but um I i'm baffled myself that you know you're there are some teams who would give anything to be in a position to win their division in the last week of the season i know the titans have lost six straight and it's been a tough month and a half but like at the end of the day you still got it right here in front of you, and it's baffling to me that you have fans that would rather take a shot at an offensive tackle in the first, you know, round of the top ten of the first round than try to go to the playoffs. It's like are, are you, I, I can't even believe some of the I can't even call them hot takes that I'm seeing from Titans fans on Twitter. I, it's more so just lunacy to me like this is the playoffs and you and you know as well as i do because the jaguars found themselves in an afc championship game years ago that nobody would have predicted them to make it to like you got to get in and then anything could happen like it's the playoffs you just got to be better than another team one night and so it's baffling to me to see fans that would rather play for a draft spot unbelievable Brad Steele is the host of the Two-Tone Talk Titan podcast. He's with us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. 
Brad Josh Dobbs is going to get the start Saturday night. Your oh thoughts? <laughs> well, you know, I, I hate to see the injury to Ryan Tannehill. He is, you know, we, we know that Ryan Tannehill, he's not he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. But he's, he's put together a pretty good little career with the Titans. And so I hated to see him go down. Um, I think a lot of Titans fans are having high hopes that Malik Willis can eventually be something. The fact of the matter is he's not now. Um, and that's, you know, it's not to say that you should abandon all hope if you want him to be good. But right now he's not. He's not good enough to be in this position. And um, Josh Dobbs, in his one game that he's played against the Cowboys last week with a lot of starters out, I thought that he looked a lot more capable of manning the ship than Malik does right now. And uh, Josh Dobbs is a guy I haven't even thought about since his days with the Tennessee Volunteers um, in college. But He actually had uh, a cup of coffee here in Jacksonville for a few games. Right? He's, he's had a cup of coffee with a few teams, Steelers, Browns, uh, the Lions, who's with when the Titans picked him up. So, um, you know, he, he looks like if, if you've got to choose between the two, I think he is the right choice. Um, just because of his experience and being in the league a while, I think you would rather have him in there than a rookie who's just not ready yet. I think Malik has proven that. And um, so I think he is their best bet at this point. Um, and, you know, you of course, as a Titans fan, I'm excited for him to, you know, get an opportunity. I don't think he's the quarterback of the future, but – if he does well enough, I mean, you're looking at, you know, you can land on the roster, you know, next year and, and beyond as a, as a good backup. So um, he, he is the right choice at this given time for them uh, over Malik. And uh, I'm not a big believer in the fact that, you know, Titans fans say this is going to ruin Malik's confidence to, to be benched like this. And it's like, man, if getting benched your rookie year when you're clearly not ready is going to ruin this guy, then he needs to find another line of work. Because it's like, it's and excuse my dog back there. He agrees with me. He's barking <laughs> in the background. He's, he's, he's barking in agreement. But, you know, it's like he'll be fine with, you know, getting benched. He's, you know, he's a little stronger mentally than that, surely. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think Dobbs is the better choice to – to go right now a couple of more for brad Steele, host of the two-tone talk titan podcast you can find it on youtube and you can find it on twitter at two-tone talk all right so real quick as far as the jaguars go and it was funny and i wasn't really when i was in your comments on your podcast that's not a true i mean that's that is a true story that's not make believe i wasn't doing that for radio shtick i was literally Absolutely. watching brad's Absolutely. podcast and commenting as he went along um, yes. And you didn't know that I was a radio host in Jacksonville until I told you, so that was kind of funny too. Uh, but but <laughs> yeah. I, I was serious in the fact that Jaguar fans look at this as maybe payback time for 1999. And, and you, um, you know, how basically asked me how long are you going to hold a grudge? And I'm curious <laughs> from the Titans' perspective, do you know what you guys are considered down here? I mean, I know it hasn't been the greatest rivalry because Jacksonville hasn't held up their end of the bargain. But you could argue that game in January of 2000 killed the first decade of the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were not the same after that for about five years, and they've only had – this will be their second win-or-go-home scenario playoff-style game since that day in January 2000. 
And Jaguar fans are looking at this game on Saturday night as maybe not payback, but maybe a turning of the chapter now with Trevor Lawrence and this young team. Is there a thought in Tennessee, a fear in Tennessee that, oh boy, Trevor Lawrence, this team looks pretty good, Doug Peterson, this could be the start of something in Jacksonville? Well, I first of all want to say, when you left the comment about this is revenge for 99, in my, I didn't say it on the podcast, but in my mind, I was like, I'm dealing with like a Jags historian. Like, this <laughs> is a Jags fan. And so then when you told me you, you hosted the, the radio show, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Because like, to, for somebody, because, you know, of course, on Twitter and YouTube, you deal with a lot of fans who have come along since then. And so they're they're thinking about other things, but like I was like ninety nine, I was like we're going back. But when you put it like that, I mean, absolutely, I I can see the fans who have been around for a while, like you and I have, obviously, you know, absolutely. That's how the Titans viewed uh, the Ravens for so long. It's it's like man, we what if what if we hadn't had to you know have those games with the Ravens where you know they they kind of ruined us. So when you put it like that, I definitely relate. As far as the way the Jags look now, when the season started this year and I saw the Colts were not as good as they were going to be and the Texans are obviously horrible right now, I I told a good buddy of mine, we go eat dinner every week and we just talk football over dinner. And uh, I told him, I said, man, I said, I'm worried about the Jags. I said, I'm, I'm worried. And this was like first month of the season. I'm worried about the Jags, man. I'm, you know, because they, had, I think it was the Chargers. They had gone and played them and just smoked them. Yeah, beat them 38-10 out in L.A. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, they're the ones I'm worried about. Well, then you guys, you know, you kind of went on that losing streak, and it was like, okay, well, never mind. You know, like I said earlier, it got to a point where the Titans were so comfortably ahead that it was like, okay, well, the AFC South's just not good right now, and then when things started turning around and when the Jags beat the Titans, I was, I felt like I was one of the only ones who went on social media or whatever and was like, Hey, they're not that far behind. Like I need you guys to understand this is getting interesting here. And a lot of fans were just like, no, don't worry about it. And I was like, I was like, am I crazy? Like, am I the, am I the one here that's, just being overly negative and I'm like, all right guys, now they're one game back. Now we're tied. Um, and then we're at this point we're at now, but of course I, I look at Trevor Lawrence and he's, you know, he is blossoming now into what they said he was going to be in the draft. You know, if you remember when he was drafted, it was like, this is the best quarterback prospect that we've ever seen, you know? And, um, he's starting to come into his own big time. Um, Travis Etienne, you know, obviously he dealt with a ton of injury in his first year, so so now he's kind of uh, coming along really well. I saw the game he had against Houston Sunday. It was just a monster game. And, uh, you know, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, these are guys who have really come along. And Doug Peterson, who, you know, has had a lot of success in the NFL. So, yeah, I think as a Titans fan and, for that matter, Colts and Texans fans as well, you know, they sit back and look at this, and they're like, "Oh boy!" You know, we we may be dealing with this guy for a while, and it's his only second year in the league, right? So, yeah, we probably will be dealing with him for a while, and um, and then God help us if if Houston drafts Bryce Young, and he ends up being, you know, what he could be, 
this this may be tough times ahead. You know what I'm saying? But as far as the Jags, though, yeah, it's it's something that I've been worried about all season came to fruition, and now I'll be worried about it next year and the next year and the next year too. So, hey, Brad, as we wrap up, man, final question again. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, hopefully, there's a great ball game on Saturday night. We certainly hope we win. I know you believe the same, and. May the best team win. Uh, my, my question, you know, is this. Looking at this game, and I've been warning people here in Jacksonville all week. Tennessee's wounded. They've lost six in a row. Josh Dobbs was on the Lions practice squad two and a half weeks ago. I get all that. Maybe it's the logo, the voodoo of that logo. Maybe I'm worried that Eddie George and Frank Wycheck and Keith Bullock and Blaine Bishop are going to come out onto that field. But I've had horror stories. Man, those are some names I love. Right I'm there. sure you do. I've had horror stories with your with your franchise and doing things to the Jaguars. Yeah. What is the thought on the opposite end? Do Tennessee fans, even with Dobbs, believe they're going to come in here on Saturday night and believe they're going to win the game? Um, it depends which fans you ask. I mean, it's like I said earlier, there are some who are saying they want to lose to get a better draft spot, which, like you said, and I agree, it's ludicrous, but – um, you know, there are some fans who, you know, they can they can make themselves believe anything. And, and I think that Dobbs probably played well enough against Dallas to where it's like, okay, you know, this guy can do something. He may not be, you know, the second coming of Joe Montana, but he can do something. And the Titans, you know, I hated the fact that they had to rest so many guys for that Cowboys game because I'm not a fan of that, man. Maybe I'm old school, but, like, I want to see – I want to see you try to win, you know, and I'm not saying they were trying to lose, but they sure weren't trying to win either. And I hate that, but they, you know, Tennessee has just for two years now been a hospital. Um, just so many injuries. I think if the Titans have a calling card and here's another one of those names that'll probably make you cringe. I, I think Derrick Henry's the calling card. It's like, you know, he's had a week off. He's going to be on fresh legs. He is behind one of the worst offensive lines I've ever seen. But, you know, that's you kind of live and die by him. That's kind of the Titans' mantra, especially this year with, uh, you know, the offensive coordinator not being good, offensive line not being good. Outside of Traylon Burks, your talent outside is not particularly great. It's kind of like you, we're going to live and die by number 22, and hopefully Dobbs can do enough to compliment him and the Titans' defense overall usually plays tough, and they play well. Their worst game of the year probably was against Jacksonville. Um, so that's probably not a good omen. But, um, you know, so I think that's kind of your hope if you're a Titans fan is, is Derrick Henry and the defense, which is what it's been for years. I mean, let's be honest. That's a Mike Vrabel-type mentality. We're going to run the ball. We're going to play good defense. And we're going to, you know, hope that that's enough to win. And we're going to ask our quarterback to just game manage. Um, I think it's really all you can do in the situation they're in at quarterback. So, um, yeah, I think that's for the Titans fans that are going in hopeful Saturday night. That's why is be because of the running back and, and the defense. If you want to check out what they're talking about with the Tennessee Titans, Brad Steele is the host of the Two-Tone Talk Titan podcast. Just search for that on YouTube, search for that on Twitter, wherever you get your podcasts. And it's an interesting perspective to see what the other fan base is talking about leading into this game on Saturday night. Brad, appreciate the time, man. Best of luck 
to the Titans every uh, time except the two times they play Jacksonville. Of course, we hope for the best game on Saturday night, and we'll do it again uh, this offseason, man. We'll see how the Titans are faring in free agency and getting ready for the draft. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on. And thank you to my friend Dave Campo for joining us here tonight on Hacker After Dark. Of course, Coach Campo, our head coach here on 1010XL, as we get you ready for the Jaguars and the Titans in the AFC South Championship game Saturday night, 8-15. You'll hear the game right here on 1010XL, and we will indeed have a fifth quarter for you, Coach Campo, Leon Searcy, and myself, two hours after the Jaguars and the Titans go final. We're expecting about a 1 a.m. or so start to that fifth quarter on Sunday morning. You get me, Campo, and Searcy in a radio studio together at 1 a.m., who knows what could happen, particularly if we're celebrating an AFC South division championship. So thank you to Coach Campo. Thank you to my friend Brenton Beard, who stopped by to look back at a terrific college football playoff semifinals. And, of course, the final TCU and Georgia for the national championship to take place next Monday night. And Brian Sexton of Jaguars.com. Always appreciate Brian.